Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Our praise team, thank all of you for taking part in worship and uh, what messages we receive from songs. <clears throat> if you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version this morning. I want to share with you a sermon entitled, Motivated to Share the Gospel. Motivated to Share the Gospel. I know today's Palm Sunday, and we've called attention to that. And this was uh, the week that, the Sunday, Jesus made his triumphal uh, entry into Jerusalem. We'll end the week at his crucifixion. And the first day of the week, the resurrection. So next week, we'll have our celebration in regards to uh, his resurrection, Easter Sunday. Let me remind you about our uh, sunrise service at 7 o'clock. And we'll meet together. We'll have a devotion prayer time. Then we'll have a breakfast fellowship with each other. And then we'll meet back for our Bible fellowship. Don't forget, it's uh, Flowers on the Cross. So bring live flowers to cover the cross that will be out front. But today I want us to think about in regards to sharing the gospel. Motivated to share the gospel. Our revival effort will be coming up on April the 28th through May the 1st. I want us to stay focused on that and the importance in sharing the gospel, inviting friends, sharing the gospel as that day approaches. And then even after that, as we continue to share the gospel. So motivated to share the gospel, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll begin reading with verse 9 and following. Therefore we make it our aim. Uh, King James uses the word labor, mentions the word labor. We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according what he has done, whether it's good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men, but we are well known to God, and also trust are well known in your conscience. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new." Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, 
as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's have a prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into this place to worship you. My goodness, Lord, your people singing, praising you this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that we, we uh, praised you from our hearts. Lord, as we reflected on your goodness and mercy to us. Help me, I pray, this morning to deliver your word in the right spirit. Father, that your Holy Spirit might be our teacher, our guide. Help us, we pray, to respond during the invitation and how you direct us by your spirit to respond. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three ways to face life. First, you can live in rebellion. You can rebel against your parents. You, as children, you can rebel against adults. You can rebel against authority, civil law in general, perhaps the police, perhaps government, perhaps society. You can rebel against God. Now, being in rebellion, two of those will lead you to chaos. When you rebel against your parents or other adults, perhaps, when you rebel against society, that leads to chaos. But when you rebel against God, that leads to destruction. But some people choose to live a life in rebellion. Secondly, you may live your life as a slave to your circumstances. Uh, this is a person who gives in. This is a person who gives up. This is a person who gives out, gives up, throws in the towel. That will lead you to anxiety. That will lead you to depression. That will lead you to worry. That will lead you to a sense of hopelessness. But some people live their life beating beaten down by their circumstances. You may be living your life like that now. Third, you can live your life another way. You can live your life with an attitude of redemption. You can believe that through Jesus Christ you can experience salvation, but not only salvation, but you can experience transformation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And if you choose that way of life, you're going to find that your life has purpose, your life has meaning, your life has direction, and you will find that you will aim toward that. Now, Apostle Paul, he, he approached life with that attitude of redemption. He believed that the lowest, the meanest sinner could be redeemed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He really believed that because he experienced that. And from that moment that he experienced that, he lived his life in an attitude of redemption. Now, that's why we exist as a gospel congregation today. Because we believe. One of the reasons we exist is we believe that God saved our soul. And we want people to know what we have experienced. And that's salvation 
and that's transformation in our lives. On March the 13th, 1921, this church was organized. It's Mountain View Baptist Church, but it was organized as a gospel congregation that would preach the good news of Jesus Christ. That was its main purpose, seeing people and seeking out people who needed to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. And so we have a lifeline. The lifeline that we have that we throw out is known as the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we throw that lifeline out to those who are sinking, those who are sinking in their sin and drowning in their hopelessness. We have the lifeline, the gospel of Jesus. When I was growing up as a child, from time to time, we would sing the song written by Edward Uffer. The title of it was Throw Out the Lifeline. Brother Jerome, you remember that song. A couple of verses, throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. There is a brother whom someone should save. Somebody's brother who then will dare to throw out the lifeline his peril to share. Soon will the season of rescue be o'er. Soon will they drift to eternity's shore. Haste then, my brother, there's no time for delay, but throw out the lifeline and save them today. We have the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline. See the urgency? Throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. The point is God's planted this congregation has put you in the middle of this congregation to throw out the gospel lifeline to those who need to be saved. Now, the scriptures... These scriptures, they, they talk about having a message, but also they teach about um, the motives. Now, the message never changes. The message that we have is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and it's the gospel message. Look, if you will. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare... To you, the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you're saved. you saved by the gospel. If you hold fast that the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's our message. That's the gospel. But we are motivated to share that message. First of all, we're motivated, if you'll notice, by the terror of the Lord. Jot that down. We're motivated by the terror of the Lord. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, back in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 11 says, 
Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God and also trust are well known in your consciences. We, we are motivated, he says, by the terror of the Lord. Now, when, you know, when we don't feel like serving Jesus, we're just tired of serving Jesus, perhaps, or we don't want to serve Jesus, we should pray that God should remind us of this thing called the terror of the Lord. Now, the word terror there means fear. Uh, it's not like a fear of spiders, I'm afraid of spiders. It's, it's not like the fear of snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. I'll outrun Judy if there's a snake. Every man, woman for himself, there's a snake. And there was a snake last week. Don't knock on the door hollering for your wife when, when she... <laughs> okay, I, I won't go there. I'm afraid of snakes. She went like that, y'all. But when we think about the terror of the Lord, it speaks of a reverence. It speaks of a holy awe. You've all, you've all just been taken by an awe before, a beautiful sunset or something. But when you think of God, you're taken by a holy awe. That's, that's reverence for God, an honorable respect toward a holy God. And so you have this awesome, honorable respect of a holy God who saved your soul, who saved my soul. And because of that, your attitude toward him, your respect toward him is that of reverence. It's that of terror, fear, honorable reverence toward God. It, it's it's um, uh, you, You're wanting to please God. You're doing, when you think of the reverence of God, you want to do what you can to please Him. Look at verse 9, if you will. Verse 9 says, Therefore we make it our claim. The word labor there means that, the meaning is we make it our, we make it our aim, we make it our goal to please God, to be, the, uh, to be accepted. King James says to be accepted of Him, to be well-pleasing to Him. It should be every one of our aim to please God, to be accepted by God. That's what we should shoot for, is to be accepted to God. Remember, you, did you know that it's easier to please God than it is to please people? It's easier to please God than people. Um, you can't make everybody happy. I'm doing some study, and uh, uh, Herb Rufus said this. He said, um, he said, trying to please people is like trying uh, to put the wrong lead on a Tupperware bowl. I like that. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, Judy would say, put the lid on that Tupperware bowl, and I'd pull out the lid right below the right size, and i push it down on one side, and it'd pop up on the other. And you push it down on that side, it pops up on the y'all. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Y'all looking like you're, you know, you've never done that. And that's the way it is trying to please people. You please one group, and all of a sudden another one pops up, and you please that group, and another one pops up, and you please that group, and another pops up. He says something else, too. He says, Trying to please people is trying like to untangle Christmas lights. 
those little small lights. You take paint and wrap in those lights and you put them in special boxes and you wrap them a special way. And when you undo them, you think someone's already got in there before you and they're all, I mean, you, you pull them out and they're all tangled up and, and you start trying to untangle the top and you look down, the bottom's tangled and you get the bottom and all of a sudden that side's tangled. And that's the way it is when you try to please people. And then he used another illustration, which is good. And guys, you can relate to this. Some of you can. Remember hubcaps? Man, you try to put a hubcap on, and you hit the top, and the bottom comes out. You hit the bottom, and the top comes out. Well, that's just the way it is in trying to please people. You can please God before you can please people. And Paul knows this. He says, listen, don't worry about, don't worry about, pleasing people don't let your aim be trying to make people happy the point is if you make God happy you don't have to worry about making people happy you're going to stand before God one day we're going to see this in just a moment look at verse 9 if you will therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent to be well pleasing to him Paul says listen there's there's one purpose that I have that I, I please God. That's my purpose in life. And I'm going to please God when I'm present with him. That's in heaven. We're going to please him in heaven. We're, everything's going to be perfect in heaven. We're going to please God in heaven. But Paul says, I want to please him whether I'm with him or whether I'm not with him, whether I'm up in heaven, I'm going to please him. But while I'm on earth, I'm going to please him. He wants to please the Lord. In heaven or here on earth? You say, well, Brother Sammy, how do I please God? Jotted down some things. First of all, you please God when you trust Him. You trust Him. You put your faith in Him. You put this childlike faith in God. Adults have to try to figure everything out. They have to check it out. and have to go look it up and see what God has said and if it's really what God has said. I mean, you know, a child will listen and say, yes, I want to trust Jesus Christ. If you want to please God, trust Him. Put your faith and trust in Him. Honor Him. Walk in holiness before Him. If you want to please Him, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about this Wednesday night. Do not, if, you want to, if you want to please Him, don't grieve the Holy Spirit with sin in your life. If you want to please Him, don't, don't quench the Holy Spirit by refusing the prompting of the Holy Spirit for you to do something that you know you should be doing. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. If you want to please Him, then lay up your treasures in heaven, not here on the earth. If you want to please Him, submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The point is you cannot please people, but you can please God. So first we share the gospel with those we come in contact with because of the terror of the Lord. It becomes our aim to please Him and to be accepted by Him. Well, secondly, jot this down. I'm motivated to share the gospel because I'm going to face God one day. Brother Mike's been teaching. Look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether it's good or bad. So Mike's been teaching on Sunday night about crowns and rewards. And the whole point is one day Christians are going to appear before God 
at the judgment seat of God. Not to, deter, not to determine if you're saved or lost, but to receive or not to receive the rewards of your service here on this earth for him as a believer. A believer. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of God to give an account and how we've served God. Whether, notice what he said, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Notice what he said. He says we. We means, we means not some, but, but all. Not just the preacher, or the deacons, or the leaders in the church, but every one of those, those that come all the time, those that come every now and then. You're going to stand before God, the judgment seat of God. He says we must. What does that mean? We must. Must means what? Must means must. It's going to happen. We're going to stand before him. We're going to stand before the judgment seat. Mike brought out in his study that judgment seat's the Bema seat. The Bema seat is, was a, pla a raised platform where the, there at the Greek, the Greek games, the, the victorious uh, Athletes would come to the Bema seat, and there they would be given this laurel crown based on the victory that they had won. Today we have the Olympic Games. We have those three tiers, same principle. And you have those standing on one tier that has the gold medal, and those the second tier that has the well, silver medal. And then the third tier, you have the bronze medal. But we're all going to stand there. Get ready. If you're slacking in your service to the Lord... You better get ready. That's going to happen. All believers, verse 10, is going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to receive, or we're not going to receive what we've done, down, the rewards for what we've done here in regards to our time and talents and treasures. How you handle your time how you handle your talents. You know why people are not actively involved in church? Probably the number one reason. I haven't done a survey on this, but probably show a show of hands in here and probably be the number one reason that you don't attend you don't because you don't have time. You're going to be held accountable for the time that you've neglected for the Lord. Your treasures and your giving just filled out our income tax uh, Friday. And, um, you know, I'm responsible to the government, how I give. What makes you think you're not going to be responsible, God Almighty, how you're supposed to give? You're going to be held responsible. I'm going to be held responsible for that. Make excuse now, but you'll stand there in tears. You say, well, it's not going to be any tears in heaven. Well, that's when he's going to wipe away all the tears when that judgment's over with. Paul said, listen. I'm going to shoot, I'm going to aim high. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm rescuing the perishing. I'm caring for the dying because there's coming a day I'm going to stand before my God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I only have one lifetime, and I'm going to spend it, Paul said, I'm going to spend it for the cause of Christ. Wow. Why is that? Because one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and I don't want him to hear. I want to hear him say, well done. Here's your reward. And I don't want to hear him say, hey, there's no reward. You have lived a sloppy Christian life on earth. And I'm probably being a little gentle with that. 
You know, that motivates me. I don't know about you. I guess we'll see. But that motivates me to live my life for Christ, not going around trying to please people all the time. So the terror of the Lord moved him to serve God. Verse 11, have you, have you realized, have you really realized that one day you, that without Jesus Christ that, that you're going to spend eternity in hell? Is that, has that, I mean, has it ever dawned on you if you're without Christ today that, hey, one day I'm going to spend eternity in hell? It's probably dawning on you right now. I believe the Holy Spirit's convicting people perhaps. Verse 11 he says this, look at verse 11. He says, verse 11, Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust that we're well known in your consciences. Hmm. We're well known to God and, and are well known in your consciences. So the terror of the Lord is one thing that moves us, motivates us to tell lost people about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the, the way, the truth, the life. That motivates us. And this, is, this, you know, this mo should motivate us to be an evangelistic church. To want to see people saved, it should motivate us to be a discipling church, to be a church that sees itself as a hospital for the sick spiritually sick, that are without Jesus Christ. So the terror of God should motivate us as a body of believers. It should motivate every ministry in this church. I've shared with some of you team leaders, ministry team leaders, everything we do here, we need to drive it toward leading people to Jesus. Everything beginning with the nursery, beginning with the preschool, the children's church, the team kids, the youth, Adults, the senior adults, the brotherhood, the women on mission, WMU, women's missionary union. Every ministry should have as its primary focus that there is that there is a heaven and there is a hell and there's a cross between them, and we have to get the message out to those that don't know that. Where they can cross from earth to heaven by the way of the cross. So I'm motivated to share the gospel because of the terror of the Lord. I'm motivated to share the gospel because I'm going to be standing before God one day. And real quick, I'm motivated because of the love of Christ. Look at verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but given your opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Verse 13, for... If we are beside ourselves, that word beside means crazy. Paul says you may think we're crazy. If we're beside ourselves, it's for God. We're crazy for God. If it looks like I'm crazy, if you think I'm nuts, if you think I'm crazy for how I'm serving the Lord, I just want you to know it's for God. I'm crazy for Him. Or if we are sound mind, it's for you. So it's not about us, it's about Jesus. Verse 13, some thought that Paul was beside himself, he was crazy. Some people may think that you're beside yourself. You're spending too much time down there at the church, you're crazy for doing that. You're giving too much money to that church, you're crazy for doing that. 
Brother Ralph Beckenbach told me years ago he had a person to tell him when he was delivering tapes and going all the way to King Drive Inn and, and uh, Oak Grove and carrying uh, people tapes that could come to church. But he'd take them a tape, a VHS back then. And this person told him, you're just wearing out your car, you're wearing out your tires. That church don't care nothing about you. You're crazy for doing that. You may, <laughs> you may appear crazy to some people, but you're doing it for, for what? For the love of God. That's why Ralph did it. You're giving. You're serving. Giving your time, giving your resources. Because you love the ministry, you love God, you love the gospel, you want to see people saved. Paul said, some think I'm crazy, but I'm crazy and forgot. This is what Vance Havner said, I liked it. He says, the church has gotten so subnormal that if the church ever gets normal, people will think that it's abnormal. <laughs> the church has gotten so subnormal that if the church ever gets normal, people's going to think that it's abnormal. Paul says, regardless what you think about me, I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy. But I'm crazy for God. I'm all out for God. And I care about you. That's my motive. I care about you. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ compels me. Compels me. That word compel means lays hold. It means to hold fast. It means to get a hold of. Paul said, something has gotten a hold of me, and I'm motivated, and it's the love that I have for God Almighty that makes me do what I do. The love of Christ got a hold of him. The love that Christ, just think of that, the love that Christ has for us. Does that not do anything for you? Verse 14, if one died for all, then all died. You know, every person that's saved is saved because Jesus died on the cross for them. That's the only way you're going to be saved. But Christ died on the cross, and when you get saved, you enter into the beauty, the blessings, and the benefits of his death. You receive the benefits of all of that, which means when he died, you died to what you used to be. <laughs> One way you know that you're saved is that your life's changed. And when, you, when Christ died, you died to what you used to be. You died to the guilt. You died to the shame. You died to your, your past. Verse 15. If, if Christ, look at verse 15 real quick. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves. I, I think that's the problem. If Christ died like he did... I mean, he, he died on the cross, he, he died bleeding, he died, with, he died naked, he died humiliated, he died bleeding, he died cursed. And when I think about what Jesus did for us and how he died for us, how could that not change me in some way or change you in some way? So the point is, if he gets hold on you, if he gets hold of you then it changes the way you live <laughs> and if it don't do that he didn't get a hold of you 
He didn't die for himself, but he died for others. Verse 15, selfishness. Notice what he said there, and I'm about finished. He died for us. Those who live should live no longer for themselves. Selfishness. You know, I believe with all my heart, selfishness is why there's so many miserable Christians today. It's all about self. I mean, they have a chip on their shoulder and, and they don't have friends. They don't have joy of the Lord in their life. Point is, if you're going to win the race called life, you're going to have to get your eyes off of other people and off of other things and focus on Christ and focus on winning the prize. Well, I'll say point four to later. Point four is simply the truth of reconciliation, and we'll go with that a little later. But let me ask you, are you living for him? I mean, the love of Christ will motivate you, knowing that you'll stand before him one day at the judgment seat, the bema seat, knowing the terror of the Lord. Does that motivate you? We're going to be experiencing something before long. And uh, it's, been in the, uh, it's been in the announcement. She's called Who's Your One? And who's your one is something we're going to be focusing on. And what we're going to do is ask you to be praying for at least one person, probably more. You're going to be praying all year that God's going to give you an opportunity to share your testimony, the gospel, to that one person you're praying for. So who's your one? And we've done talked about already about it's your move. Now, you've heard everything this morning. So, and, and, I've, and I've studied and I've listened to it now. And so it's up to us to make a move to share the gospel with those who need Jesus Christ. So we're just going to listen. We're not going to be motivated because of his love, because of judgment seat. Are we just going to go on? I hope we don't. I hope you'll commit to, to be motivated. Nothing else for those three reasons this morning, perhaps more. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence for each person here. Now for Paul, studying Paul's life. And Lord, how we've, we shared this morning, your word shared with us how we're motivated to share the gospel with others. Lord, thank you for loving us enough to die for us. That should bring about a change in our life, but it should move us to share the gospel with others. Thank you, O oh Lord, that knowing one day that we're going to stand before you and give an account of how we served you, Lord, and how we honored you with our time and our treasures, our service, that, that should motivate us, Lord. I pray today that uh, you, you speak to our hearts, that we'd recommit ourselves to you today as we prepare for revival effort that we would truly experience a genuine Holy Ghost Spirit-filled revival. Never really had that. And Lord, I pray you'll begin with this preacher. Number one here, as you look down upon the house of God here, I pray, Lord, thank you for speaking to me today in all of this. Be with us in our invitation time. I pray for those listening, watching by TV, listening by radio. Lord, I pray that they would give their heart and their life to you. Thank you for what you're going to do in all of this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.